If you got your Bibles and you want to follow along, uh, we're going to be beginning in Genesis chapter 30. Uh, we're going to pick up where we left, left off last week in verse 25, and then we'll actually carry this all the way into uh, chapter 31 in verse 16. Uh, a week or so ago, maybe a couple weeks ago, I had finished up a lesson, and uh, Eddie came up to me, and uh, he was talking to me, and he said, you know, he said, I used to read the Old Testament, and he said, I, with the idea that those people couldn't do anything wrong. And, you know, I thought about that, and I thought, you know what, he's right. That, you know, we all know these characters from the Old Testament, men like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and we know they're great men. We know they're men of faith. We know they're godly men. And so I think sometimes when we go back and read the Old Testament, we don't think, well, they, they made mistakes like we do. They do stupid things like we do. They struggle like we do. We don't think they... But that's not true at all. They did do stupid things. They did struggle like we do. They're just like us. And God has to work with them and teach them lessons. And we're going to see that uh, today. In fact, God is going to use a flock of goats to teach Jacob uh, a lesson. Yeah, these are my goats. And, and so you're going to see today how God uses a flock of goats to teach Jacob a very, very important lesson that is still true uh, for you and I uh, today. Let's begin in verses 25 and 26. This will be chapter 30. It says, As soon as Rachel had born Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Send me away, that I may go to my own home and country. Give me my wives and my children, for whom I have served you, that I may go, for you know the service that I have given you. So, you remember the story, he served seven years for Laban, and, and he gets Leah, and he served, has to serve another seven years for Rachel. So now, 14 years have gone by. He's got 11 sons, and as far as we know, one daughter. And the time comes for him, his 14 years of service is up, so it's time for him to return back to his homeland. Now, I'm sure that Jacob would have been ready to go. I mean, he's been there 14 years. He's been working for this, this man, Laban, who deceived him. Uh, in fact, he should have been home seven years earlier, right? Now he's, he had to serve another seven years for Rachel, all because Laban cheated him or deceived him. So I'm sure he's ready to go. He's ready to get away from that area. Uh, he's also ready to go back and see his mother, of course, who he has a very close relationship with. And remember, when he had that dream of Jacob's ladder, God had said, I'm going to bring you back to this land and I'm going to bless you in this land. So I'm sure that's in his mind as well. So he's ready to go. But of course, Laban, his, his father-in-law, is going to be very reluctant to see that happen. Look at verses 27 and 28. But Laban said to him, If I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination, or, or I have divined, that the Lord has blessed me because of you. So name your wages, and I will give it. Now, when Laban says, I have divined, or I have learned by divination, that doesn't necessarily mean that he consulted his little false gods, or, or he consulted witchcraft. It could mean that, or it could just mean, I have learned by experience, or I have seen the signs. It's hard from the language to tell which one he really means. But however he figured it out, he's come to realize that he's been prosperous because of Jacob that God has been blessing him through Jacob. So, of course, he doesn't want Jacob to leave, right? He's, he, he says, man, i got a good thing going on here. 
But he realizes that if Jacob is going to stay, they've got to come to some kind of new deal. He's already served his time for the two daughters. They've got to come to some kind of, of new deal. So you've got to remember, over the last 14 years, all of Jacob's labor, he doesn't really have anything, right? He's been ba- basically paying off his dowry. So he's just been working. He's got two wives. He's got 11 uh, or 12 children. But other than that, he really doesn't have any wealth or anything that he can call his own. And so he, it's time, if he's going to stay any longer, he needs to renegotiate his deal. And so Laban asked him to name his terms, verses 29 to 30. So Jacob said to him, You yourself know how I have served you and how your livestock has fared with me. For you had little before I came, and it has increased abundantly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turn. But now when or how shall I provide for my own household? So what, what Jacob is doing, remember, he's, he's, he's fixing to enter into a negotiation. And he's been with this guy for 14 years. He knows he does, he's a deceiver. He knows he's greedy. He knows he's a cheat. And so he's, he's being very careful here of what he's about to do. And so the first thing he does is he kind of strengthens his bargaining position. He says, look, you know how valuable I am. You know how your flocks have increased since I've been here. And he said, but look, I don't, I, I got my own family, right? I've got to, I've got to take care of my own family. And so he kind of lays all this out there. And so he's kind of, he wants to, he's going to prepare, uh, Laban, uh, for this kind of bargain that he wants to, Drive And so Jacob names his terms, verse 31 to 32. And so he, talking about Laban, said, well, what shall I give you? And I love what Jacob said. You're not going to give me anything. If you'll do this for me, I will again pasture your flock and keep it. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. So you see the two words I underline? Laban says to him, what will I give you? And, and Jacob says, you're not giving me anything, brother. I'm earning this, right? This is my wages. Let's, let's get that clear, right? And so he asked for something very unusual. He said, let me go out into the field and let me find every goat that's spotted or that's speckled or striped. And that means it's got white in it, okay? That's what he means. It's any goat that's got speckled or spotted white in it and any of the black sheep. And let me remove them and th- those will be my Wages. So that's his, that's his deal, right? Now, you may say, well, what, what is, what's going on here? So what, here's what you have to understand. Jacob is asking to be paid with the rarest of the goats and the sheep. Okay? You see, normally goats in that land were all black or all brown. So the majority of goats are all black or all brown. And we know that for sheep, what's the majority color for a sheep? White. A, a black sheep is very uh, uncommon, okay? It's not, I wouldn't necessarily say it's rare, rare, but it's very uncommon. And in fact, that's why we came up with the old idiom that somebody is the black sheep. It means they stand out, right? They're, they're, they're unusual. They don't fit in with the rest of the, of the flock. So that's what Jacob is asking. Let me go into the flock and find the most, the most unusual ones, the, the, the rarest ones, the most uncommon ones that I can Fine. So they would have been the fewest. If you'd have looked out at Jacob's, uh, at Laban's flocks, the vast majority of them would have been white, and there would have just been a few black ones or maybe a few speckled ones uh, here and there, right? Now, here's the reason why. When you look at, we, we, we know today something about genetics, right? And what we know is that to produce a speckled or spotted goat, 
those genes are recessive. They're not dominant. Which means if you, if you mate a, a white goat with a speckled goat, 99 times out of 100, you're going to get a white goat. Everybody with me? Okay, because white, uh, white genes are, are dominant in, those, in the goats and in the, in the sheep. So the speckled things are very rare. They're very uncommon in a, a flock, in the offspring. Now, I'm walking, this is my little, my little flock here, and you can see the male in the middle is white, and the female down on the bottom is speckled, right? They've had three babies. What color are they? They're white. Now, that's not because he's a male and she's a female. It's because his genes, his coloring is dominant and hers are recessive. So when they produce a baby, they've produced three so far, and they're all white. That's genetics. It's, it's, it's dominant and recessive genes. So I'm, you know, I'm preparing this lesson. I'm walking out to feed them. I'm like, well, there it is. I just looked and thought, well, let me take a picture, right? Because this is exact. So this is what Laban's flock would have looked like, mostly. A lot of white sheep. Very few black or speckled. A lot of black and brown sheep, but very few speckled ones. Okay, So that's what Jacob is, is asking for. And he even goes one step further, verse 33. He said, so my honesty will answer for me later when you come to look into my wages with you. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, shall be counted stolen. So he says, okay, look, after I take all these speckled and spotted animals and they start breeding, if you want to come over to my place and check on them, if you find any that are not spotted and speckled, you can take them. Right? Because spotted and speckled goats will produce spotted and speckled goats. Right? Because when you mate a recessive with a recessive, you get a recessive. So it's all genetics. We know all that today. So... This sounds great. Now, I want, I want you to watch what Laban says in verse 34. Laban said, good. Let it be as you have said. Boy, he agrees to it just like that. He doesn't even have to think about this thing because he understands that what Jacob is asking for, this is almost too good to be true. I mean, he's been around sheep and goats his whole life. He knows that the vast majority of a flock is going to be a pure color. It's only the rare, it's only the few that are spotted and speckled. So how could he possibly lose in this deal? So he agrees to it just like that. So he knows that even in the best case scenario, he's going to win out. The majority of the goats are going to be his. Only the few are going to go to Jacob. So in his eyes, this is a really good deal, right? He's going to agree to it. But now here's the thing. Laban is a deceiver and a crook and a cheat. And at the end of the day, even the, he doesn't even want to give a little bit to Jacob. He, he, he understands this is a very good deal for him, but he, doesn't, he, he wants to stack the odds even further in his favor. So this is what he does, verses 35 and 36. But that day Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted, and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had white on it, and every lamb that was black, and he put them in charge of his sons, and he set a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob pastured the rest of Laban's flock. Let me tell you, when you, get a, 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 when you make a deal with Laban, you better get it in writing. Because he tends to say things but not really mean what he says. So this is, right, so Jacob, go back to that verse that day. Jacob said, notice, let me go back. If I can go back all the way, I shouldn't have done this one. There you go. Um, he said, let me pass through all your flock, what? Today. Let me pass through all your flock today. Let me get back up to uh, what Laban says. 
And Laban says, so Laban goes out that day, right? So what Laban is, is doing, he's, he's doing this. He's basically saying, okay, Jacob, come over this afternoon at 3 o'clock and you can walk through my flock. Right? And Jacob said, I'll be there at 3 o'clock. Well, Laban runs home, grabs all the speckled and spotted goats, takes them out of the flock, puts them in his son and says, go three days' journey from here. So he, he didn't, I mean, he, in, in essence, he, he said, you come over today and do it. That's fine. And he kept his word. He just didn't tell Jacob, I'm going to remove all the speckled and spotted goats before you get there. Right? So when you, when you make a deal with this guy, uh, you need to, you need to make sure you, you read the, the fine print. Now, doing this benefited Laban in two ways. First of all, it leaves all the animals to him, not to Jacob, right? So he's taken all the spotted and speckled ones and he told his sons, go three days away from here so you're not even close. And it also, all that's left pretty much is the, is the pure goats and the pure sheep or pure colored ones. So it lessens the chance greatly of producing any of these recessive colored animals like spotted and speckled uh, that are going to be produced in the main flock. So he just basically stacks the odds completely in his favor. Now Jacob, he kind of, listen, he knows Laban. He knows the guy's a cheat. So the fact is, Jacob already had his own plans. He figured something like this probably would happen. So he implements his own schemes. He's not one to sit around saying, woe is me, you know, I've been cheated again. Um, he, like I said, he probably figured Laban, he knows Laban, he knows Laban's going to do something like this. So he implements his own plan. Now, rather than just letting God be God, and we've talked about this before, Jacob always figures, okay, I've got to, I got to do something, right? So what he does, he employs three techniques, which I assume he read about in the, in the Farmer's Almanac back in those days, right? Right, you know, we, I know people that read that almanac, oh, I got a plant right here, you know, I got a plant, I got to do it this way. Well, Jacob was like that, right? He had the, he had a, he had the uh, ancient farmer's almanac that he, that he read. And so he, each of these schemes now is intended to do one thing, and that is produce speckled and spotted goats and, and, and speckled and spotted black and black lambs. In other words, just like Laban stacked the odds in his favor, Jacob is now going to try to stack the odds in his favor, okay? This is the first thing he does. He used something called peeled poles. Now, pay attention, okay? Verses 37 to 39. Then Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar and almond and plane trees, which is sycamore trees, and he peeled white streaks in them, exposing the whites of the sticks. And he set, he set the sticks that he had peeled in front of the flocks in the troughs, that is, the watering places, where the flocks came to drink. And since they bred when they came to drink, the flocks bred in front of the sticks, and so the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. Now, what in that, what is this all about right here, okay? So, what he does, he takes poles or limbs or, or tree limbs, and, and he peels the bark off so they're striped. And he puts them in front of the watering troughs, and the idea is there was, it was believed that when the animals came to breed, if they bred while they were looking at something that was striped or speckled to spotted, they would produce striped and speckled and spotted babies. Okay? Everybody with me? So he puts it right up there and says, hey, when they're looking at it, when they're mating, they'll produce speckled and spotted babies. All right? Now, does this really work? Of course it doesn't work. Are you, are you kidding me? Does anybody think that really works, right? No, of course that, that doesn't work. 
it, it, it has no, it's all genetics. This has nothing to do with any of that, right? It's like an old wives' tale, right? I, I went out the other day and I just said, how to have, how to make sure your baby is a boy. Or how to make sure your baby is a girl. There was a list this long. Well, do this. Eat meat. Eat chocolate. Eat vegetables. Eat this. And you'll have a... Everybody with me? None of that's got anything to do with anything. Right? But people in that day, just like people today, still believe old wives' tales. People in that day believed that if you put something speckled or spotted or striped, that it would produce babies like that. It had some kind of prenatal effect on them, and so Jacob employs this, and lo and behold, if it doesn't work, babies, striped and speckled babies are coming out like crazy. So Jacob thinks, boy, this farmer's almanac thing, I'm all over this thing, right? So he says, well, I'll even go one step better. And he uses another thing called segregation. Let's look at verses 40. And Jacob separated the lambs, and he set the faces of the flocks toward the striped, and all the black in the flock of Laban, and he put his own droves apart, and he didn't put them with Laban's flock. So here's what he did. Jacob said, boy, if this pole thing works, how much better would it work if they actually were looking at speckled and spotted babies? Right? So what he did is he, he separated all the speckled and spotted ones, and when they came to mate, he set their faces, look at those speckled and spotted babies, and so the idea was, if you see speckled and spotted lambs when they bred, they'll produce speckled and spotted lambs. I mean, after all, if a, if a piece of tree bark worked, how much better will it work if they're looking at babies, right? That's exactly what he did. So this, this was, he used basically segregation to do this. So he segregated them and said, okay, when, you, when you're mating, look toward the speckled and spotted babies. So this is very... Idea is very similar to the peeled poles. If they're looking at speckled and spotted babies when they mate, they're going to produce speckled and spotted babies. Once again, does that really work? Of course that doesn't work. It's got no, what you see visually has nothing to do with what you uh, produce. There's no scientific evidence for that. There's no genetic basis for that. It's just an old wives' tale. But I'll be doggone if it didn't work again. These babies, these speckled and spotted babies are coming out left and right, okay? So he goes to the third one. He says, boy, I'm, I'm on a roll now, right? He uses what's called selective breeding, verses 41 to 42. Whenever the stronger of the flock were breeding, Jacob would lay the sticks in the troughs before the eyes of the flock that they might breed among the sticks. But for the feebler of the flock, he would not lay them there. So the feeble ones would be Laban's and the stronger would be Jacob. So here's what he's doing. He brings all these white sheep, and he brings all these black and brown goats, and he, and, and he, and he, some of them are strong. He can tell. You know, you can look at goats and tell which ones are strong and which ones are more feeble. So the strong ones, he would put the sticks in front of them so they would have babies. But the weaker ones, he, would, he wouldn't put the sticks in front of them. So they would have their babies, but they'd be, they'd be white and brown and black, but they'd be weak ones. So he gets all the strong sheep, and Laban gets all the weak sheep. Okay? So his idea, when you produce strong sheep or strong goats, what does that mean? Well, it means they live longer, they're, they're, they produce more wool, they produce more babies, and, and so you're, this is all wealth. This is all about the va- how valuable they are. Because in that day, it wasn't silver and gold, it was your flocks that were money. That's what you traded for servants, or you traded for camels, or you traded for whatever you were going to trade. These flocks meant everything. So he's producing these strong sheep, which are producing stronger sheep, and, 
And Laban's, his flock is just diminishing and diminishing. So what he's doing in this here is he's just doing the same thing as Laban. He's predisposing the odds in his favor. Stronger and more valuable animals go to him. The weaker animals go to Laban. Now, we get to verse 43, and I can tell you that, that this goes on for six years. So he was there 14 years. Now, next week when we get to verse 31, he's going to come to Laban. He says, I've served you 20 years. So we know that this, this, all this stuff is going on for, for a period of six years. All of this breeding and producing all these animals. And now, in the Bible, when we come to verse 43, the Bible just puts it very simply. Thus the man increased greatly, and he had large flocks, female servants, and male servants, and camels, and donkeys. So the fact is that he gets incredibly wealthy over those six years. Okay, now, let's stop right there. I've already told you that the peeled poles and the looking at speckled babies and all that have absolutely, they don't work, right? It's all, it's all genetics. That's what produces these babies and recessive and dominant genes. It's got nothing to do with peeled poles or any, what you look at when they're mating. So the question becomes, well, why did this work? Okay. Now, if you read it, everything, when you just read it, everything looks like, well, this must be, must be some kind of scientific thing. Maybe there was some kind of chemical in the trees that bled into the water. Maybe it's something like that. And it seemed, by the way, it seemed to Jacob to work, didn't it? Because <clears throat> he kept doing it. And it almost seems to us to work, but there's only one problem with that. It can't work. It, it, it can't work. That's got nothing to do with nothing. It's just an old wives' tale. It's completely based on a false assumption that looking at something when you're mating produces a baby that has that... That's crazy, right? It's just an old wives' tale, and it's not true. Again, go back to my little flock there. It's all about dominant and recessive genes. That's all. It's just proven out over and over and over and over again. The stuff he did could not have worked, yet it did, right? That's kind of crazy. If you, if you go out and... You, by the way, I searched all over the Internet... If you try to find any farmer or any rancher that uses that technique today, that nobody does that. Now, later on, we're going to be told the real reason for why it worked, okay? But I want you to mark this down, okay? In fact, even if the Bible didn't tell us why it worked, it does. It's going to tell us in just a minute. But even, even if it didn't, mark this down. His prosperity is not up to Jacob. It's up to God. Okay, we, we should just know that. We shouldn't even have to be told that, but yet we will be told that here in, in just, in just a minute. Okay? Now, before we get there, we gotta deal with Laban's hard feelings. Verses, we get to chapter 31, and we pick up with verses 1 and 2. Now, Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's, and from what was our father's, he has gained all his wealth. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor favor as he did before. So, 20 years earlier, Jacob has come to Mesopotamia. He, remember, he says, I crossed the Jordan with only my staff. He didn't have nothing. He didn't have a penny to his name. And now he has worked for 20 years, and he is a very, very rich man, very wealthy man. And everything that he's got, his wives, his children, all of his goats... All of that came at the expense of Laban. 
Okay? It was all things that Laban didn't have now. They belonged to Jacob. So it's easy to see why Laban's sons would have looked over there and said, you see all that stuff? That belonged to us. We should have got all that. He got that stuff from our father's flock. So they can see their inheritance being taken from them right in front of their eyes, right? I mean, all that stuff he's got should have belonged to us. So they start to get some really uh, hard feelings. So the circumstances have changed. They're no longer willing to put their arms around Jacob and say, well, we're glad to have you here. Now they're starting to hate him. Now they're starting to dislike him. Okay? And so that's one thing that starts him thinking, man, maybe, I, maybe it's time to leave. The other thing that kind of validates that or pushes that over the edge, of course, is a word from God. Verse 3, Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. So now circumstances have changed, and God gives him a word and says, Yep, it's time to go right now. Twenty years is, is long enough. Okay? So Jacob comes to the point, he knows it's time to leave, but in order to do that, he's got one little teensy-weensy little problem, and that is he's got to convince his wives. Okay? This is their home. This is their family. This is, and he's got to uproot them and take them uh, hundreds of miles away to a place they've never been before. Okay? Now, in order to convince them, he's going to tell them about a dream he had. Okay? Look at verses 4 through 9. So Jacob sent... And he called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was. And he said to them, I see that your father doesn't regard me with favor as he did before. But the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength. Yet your father has cheated me and he's changed my wages ten times. But God did not permit him to harm me. If he said the spotted shall be your wages, then all the flock bore spotted. And if he said, the stripe shall be your wages, then all the flock bore stripe. Thus God has taken away the livestock of your father, and he's given them to me. Now, does everybody notice the change of language here? He, 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 he does all this work peeling poles. He does all this work segregating the flocks. And now when he's talking to his wives, he says, God did all that. God produced striped and spotted and took away... Everybody see that? I underlined it like three times. The God of my Father has been with me. God did not permit Him to harm me. God has taken away the livestock of your Father and given them to me. A completely different change in language. No mention, by the way, of, boy, my plans really worked. Those peeled poles really worked. No mention of that whatsoever, okay? Now, why the change in language? Well, the change in language is because he has received a revelation from God. You remember 20 years ago he had a dream and he saw angels going up and down a ladder. Now, as far as we know, it's been 20 years since God has spoke to him again. We don't see any in all the, all the time between that dream and this one. We never see God speak to him. So it's literally been 20 years, but now he has another dream. Okay, Here's the dream that he had, Genesis 31, 10-13. It said, he said, in the breeding season of the flock, <clears throat> I lifted up my eyes and I saw in a dream <clears throat> the goats that mated with the flock were striped, spotted, and mottled. <clears throat> Let's stop right there. So he's, he's, every year he goes through this same thing, right? Every year he stripes the poles and puts them in front of the flocks. He does this every year. So in this sixth year, the 20th year he's been there, it's the mating season. He's doing the same thing all over again. And one night he goes to bed and he has a dream 
And, and it's no surprise he dreams about goats, because that's his life, right? I mean, he sees them every day. But in this dream, he dreams about goats. And, he, and in the dream, he says this, the goats that mated with the flock. He said, I'm looking out there in the flock, and I see the goats that are mating. The, the male goats are all spotted, they're all speckled, and they're all striped. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and he said, here am I. And this is what the angel said. Lift up your eyes and see, Jacob. All the goats that mate with the flock are spotted, striped, and mottled. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land, and return to the land of your kindred. Okay? Here's what God is revealing to Jacob in the dream. Jacob, your prosperity, all that you've got, has got absolutely nothing to do with those old wives' tales. It's got nothing to do with peeled poles. It's got nothing to do with any of your schemes. Your breeding techniques were absolutely useless. They did absolutely nothing. You see, in the dream that Jacob has, there's no peeled poles. In the dream, there's no segregating of the flocks. There's only male goats that are speckled, spotted, and and striped mating with the other goats. Now, what, what lesson is God trying to get across to Jacob? What he's telling him, what determines the offspring of the flock is not some old wives' tale. It's not something out of the farmer's almanac. It's just genetics, okay? The offspring are influenced by the genetics or the characteristics of the male that mates with the, with the female. We all know that, okay? But what God is telling him is that I was the one causing only the male goats that had the right genetics, only the ones that were striped and spotted. They were the only ones that were mating with the females. See, you didn't see all that. And so to put it another way, okay, the normal solid-colored goats either were not mating or they were not they were mating and not conceiving. Does that make sense? It, it was just, God says I was in control of all of that. It had nothing to do with the peeled poles. It had nothing to do with you segregating or doing any of your schemes or influences. I just made sure that the male goats that mated with the female goats produced spotted and speckled and striped babies. I was doing that, Jacob, not you. Okay. So why, you may say, well, why was it only that? Because God appointed it. God made it happen. Okay? Just like He always does. Listen, I want you to remember this. I read, I read this a few years ago and I wrote it down. I thought, well, I'm going to use this one day. And I, and I did. I pulled it out and used it. Do you remember when, when Moses, um, leads the people to the Red Sea? What does God tell him to do? Raise your staff, right? Raise your staff out over the sea and it'll part. And, and lo and behold, it did, didn't it? You remember when Naban had leprosy, and God t- and the prophet tells Laban, "Go dip yourself in the Jordan River seven times." And he thinks what? He says, "This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That, what's, what's dipping myself in the stinking Jordan River got to do with getting rid of leprosy?" And his servant said, "If he'd asked you to do some great thing, you'd have done it. Why wouldn't you do something simple?" So he says, "Okay." So he goes and he dips himself in the Jordan River seven times, and lo and behold. It worked. Crazy, right? How about uh, Joshua and his army go into the promised land and God says, hey, I want you to march around Jericho seven times and then I want you to blow a trumpet. And I'm sure they're thinking, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. What does walking around a city and blowing a trumpet, how is that ever going to make walls fall down? But lo and behold, guess what? 
it worked. You see, stuff like that happens all the time in the Bible. But here's the thing. Does anybody believe holding your staff over an ocean will cause it to part? Does anybody really believe that dipping yourself seven times or taking a bath cures leprosy? Does anybody really believe we could walk around a city seven times, blow a trumpet, and the walls are going to fall down? Does anybody believe those things work? Of course they don't, but they did. You see, here's the principle. Men do something, right? Sometimes it's from a word, God says, do this thing. Hold out your staff, march around the city, take a bath. Sometimes men do things out of wisdom, like we saw with Abraham sending his servant to Mesopotamia to find a a wife for Isaac. And sometimes men, like Jacob, do things out of just pure stupidity, pure foolishness. But here's the key. It's always God doing the work. It's always God doing the work. Your schemes, your plans, even though if they come from a word of God or they come out of wisdom or they come out of pure foolishness, at the end of the day, it's still God doing the work. It's God giving the increase. It's God bringing forth the fruit. You see, for Jacob, all that work, peeling poles and segregating the flock that he did year after year after year, it was for absolutely nothing. But God was working. God prospered Jacob in spite of his scheming, not because of it. Okay? Now let me tell you something. Let's, let's go on and read, and then we'll come back to this. Genesis 31, 14 to 16. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there any portion or inheritance left to us in our father's house? Are we not regarded by him as foreigners? For he has sold us, and he has indeed devoured our money. All the wealth that God has taken away from our Father belongs to us and to our children. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do it. Okay. So J- Jacob is able to convince his wives that it's time to go. Right? God is. God's told me it's time to go, um, and they, there's no love loss between them and their father. Uh, they clearly he favors his sons. He's clearly changed his attitude toward Jacob, and they realize that it's time to go. Now I want to. We end right there and we'll pick up uh, next week. I want to throw a couple things out here uh, with a conclusion. I-, I bring this up several times, but I think this is important. you got to remember, uh, Genesis is written by Moses. He writes it after they've left Egypt and before they enter into the promised land, right? So, that, so the Isra- Israelites are reading this before they go into the promised land. They're looking at their history. They're looking at how all this stuff came to be. How did they come to be in the situation that they're in? Moses has laid it all out for them. And they could not help and miss, they could not, they could not miss the parallels between themselves as a nation and, and Jacob. Remember, Jacob goes to Haran, to Mesopotamia, a poor man. He goes with nothing and he walks away from there absolutely wealthy beyond measure. Israel went into Egypt as a poor nation. It was just Joseph and his brothers and their wives, and there was about 70 of them. They walk out of Egypt, huge. They they walk out of there, this monstrous family, and and they're wealthy beyond measure. Just as Laban was judged by God, God took Laban's wealth away from him and gave it to Jacob. We know that God took the Egyptians' wealth away from them and gave it to Israel when they left, right? But there's a final parallel, which I think would have been very instructive to Israel. 
Jacob's wealth, now they can see, Jacob's wealth didn't come through his own plans and his own schemes, but in spite of those schemes. Jacob is not blessed of God because he's this righteous, faithful, godly man. It's all about God's grace. See, they, they, they're reading this thinking, boy, Jacob made all these mistakes and God still blessed him. Why would God do that? Because he's chosen, because he's loved, because he belongs to God. So Israel is to understand that, wow, we've made a lot of mistakes too, right? We've, we've done some dumb things, but we're chosen. We're blessed. We're loved. It's God's grace, not our, not our works. And by the way, that remains true today in this room. Everything we've seen this morning remains still true today in this very room. You see, religion is all about pole peeling. There's a lot of people out there peeling poles. A lot of people out there scheming and planning and working. But see, Christianity is all about God's grace. We are saved, I've said it a thousand times, we are saved in spite of our works, not because of them. I don't care how good your works are, I don't care how bad they are, they're all for nothing apart from the grace of God. Exactly like Jacob. And, and you can, listen, we can go down the list. Church membership, baptism, communion, confirmation, uh, tithing. Listen, that all has a place within the life of a child of God. But apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ, it is ab- it's, 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 a, it's farmer's almanac stuff. It's old wives' tale stuff that that'll get you to God. It, it's nothing. It means absolutely nothing. It's just pole peeling. See, the work of salvation is God's work. The work of salvation is God's work accomplished through His Son, Jesus Christ. He paid the price for our sins. He bore the penalty for us. He did that. All the works amounts to absolutely nothing. It's all about the grace of God. Next week, uh, we'll turn to Genesis, uh, finish up Genesis 31, 17 through 55. The title of our lesson will be The Return And we'll see what happens when uh, Jacob finally leaves Laban. Uh, Something happens and Laban has to pursue him and go after him. And it's a big mess and uh, we'll see how all that plays out uh, next week. Let's pray. Father,